if you were to tell someone what this book is about, what would you say? You should ask me that question while we're recording, and then I just say what I think it is. I am recording. So that was just on the recording? Yeah. (laughs) So you should cut that clip that says, if you were to explain Uh, it. I can say it again. If you were to explain this book to someone and tell them what it's about, what would you say? A crotchety war veteran propositions a lady (laughs) to get married? Yeah. And then they end up liking each other a little bit? They fall in love. Yeah. But then there's also like lots of steamy bits. Yeah. I think that's the summary. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do. What was that? That's our intro. (laughs) No, no, it's not. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Here at He Read, She Read, we believe that reading fosters relationships by sparking great conversations and encouraging empathy. We publish bi-weekly episodes on the second and fourth weeks of each month, and every other month, one of those episodes is a book club-style discussion between just the two of us. At the end of May, we're discussing Saying Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory by Patrick Radden Keefe. Make sure you're following us on Instagram for buddy read news and other announcements at He Read, She Read. You can also get in touch with us via email at Podcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying He Read, She Read, please take a few minutes to write a review on Apple Podcasts to help more bookworms find our show. We're grateful for those reviews, and they really make our day. All right, Curtis. Uh, I don't know if we have any historical background for the Duchess Steel. I don't, but maybe if you have something from the time period because you're more familiar with the setting. Most of the historical context for this that I got clues for was when Emma is... So she's a dressmaker. She's a seamstress. And she's... Uh, making a dress for her friend who is suddenly with child and she talks about how the empire waist gowns are going out of style and the lower waist like cinched at the waist gowns are coming back in now and that's an indication that this is towards the very end of the regency era so like tail end of jane austen so imagine pride and prejudice those high-waisted gowns that go straight down under your chest and then after that, the like corset, tighter Victorian styles would have come in. Okay. So that's where I get my historical context clues here. I don't have a good picture of that, but I don't really factor in my like <laughs> their fashion. No, or like the eras of history by the corset length. Well, um, so anyway, it's coming out of the Regency era and getting a little bit more modern. So we have in this specific series, the Girl Meets Duke series, Tessa Dare's heroines all have some sort of occupation. So it's getting to the point where it is a little bit more likely for women to have some respectable occupation. Um, And 
in this case, we have a seamstress and she meets a duke. And that's how it goes. See, that should be the intro <laughs> for the description. <laughs> Lady meets Duke and that's how it goes. So uh, would it have been the Napoleonic Wars? I uh, honestly couldn't tell you. I thought there was something that came up about the colonies. Yeah, he could have been. If it's... So it could have been like the Revolutionary War? Does that timeline match up? With the Regency era? I don't know. Mm. It wasn't as much of a focus for me. It was no. very, It was very much like... Hey, he came back from war with scars, and now he's just very much like a, a curmudgeon. <laughs> so there are um, there's a romance podcast, and with historical romance, most of them are set in England, and it's sometimes hard to differentiate the periods of English history. So the hosts of that podcast just call it England Times. <laughs> so we're in England like, Times. This book is set in England Times. And then it just kind of encompasses like any book from medieval through, I don't know, the early 1900s. I can get up over with that. We're English Times. There's a Duke. So this is English Times. Uh, a little bit of his, well... Not historical background, but literary background with the romance genre. In our previous episode in February, where we talked about romance novels, I explained that in order for a book to be qualified as a romance novel and not just contemporary fiction with a romance or historical fiction with a romance, but a true romance novel part of the romance genre, it has to focus on the central conflict and plot is around two characters falling in love with each other. And there is either a happily ever after or a happy for now at the ending. Those are the requirements. Them's the rules. Okay. And within romance, there are a ton of genres and tropes. A trope is basically like an archetype or a pattern for the story. So this novel, The Duchess Steel by Tessa Dare, follows the marriage of convenience trope, which is where the two characters meet. It's convenient for some reason or other for them to get married. Typically, it's just an arrangement. It's not a love match. But they get married at the beginning of the novel, and then over the course of the novel, they end up falling in love because they're married. They're in proximity together, and there's some sort of like initial spark usually upon their meeting. But this is also following sort of a fairy tale pattern. It's very much a Beauty and the Beast retelling. So keeping that in mind is a little bit of romance info for you. Are you looking for something specific? Well, I just remember in the, in the initial meeting, which I'm sure we'll get to, the one of the components that Ash says for why the marriage should happen is because most important part is because she's there. <laughs> which is the epitome of a convenience marriage you're like hey you're here i need a wife let's, well let's and get she's there and she's wearing a wedding dress even so it's, more appropriate it's like taking the trope of marriage of convenience to its highest possible level so uh let's just get into our general impressions of the book uh i'll just quickly get mine out of the way sure this is one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite romance novels. And Tessa Dare is an auto-buy author for me. Was she in our auto-buy episode that we did? I don't think so. I think I might have just started reading her at that point. Um, I've only been reading romance for a couple of years. And uh, Tessa Dare has a lot of other books. So, um, 
Yeah, I, she might not have been, but she is now for me. <laughs> but I think everyone's a lot more curious to hear what your general impressions of the book were. Well, I think we talked about in the lead up to this episode that I have never read a romance novel and we thought it would be interesting for science. Yeah, just, just as, for fun. Yeah, well, for fun and for science. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think I would have liked it as much if the characters weren't as interesting. Like, I think you picked a good... I don't think it's as much of a convenience factor, but I love that Ash is a veteran and he's broken and he has a lot of scars, physical and mental, that he's taken back with him. To me, he reminds me a lot of a more crass Darcy with a little bit of Dr. House thrown in there. Because he's like very stiff and stern and kind of socially awkward and but he's also got a really sharp wit Mm -hmm. which i liked and the fact that he's still got all the snark and the quips that's the part that i liked a lot because it reminded me a lot of the fact that he swears only in shakespeare curses (laughs) i I like that a lot um i don't know it was interesting i think you picked a good one and from the first couple of pages I was like chuckling and showing it over to you being like, this is what he said. It's funny. And you'd be like, I know I read this before. (laughs) Um, What's the part that I thought was the best? (laughs) Oh yeah, here we go. So like when he first proposes the idea of making her a duchess in marriage and she's just like, surely you don't mean to go through marriage. And he says, no, I intend to use my vast influence on the house of Lords to overturn the law of prom and nature. Primogeniture. What did I say? Promenature. Yeah. Then persuade the prince regent to create a new title in Duchy? Sure. That accomplished, I will convince him to name a vicar's daughter from Herefordshire a duchess in her own right. Of course I mean through marriage. <laughs> I also like the fact that her name is Gladstone, giving me strong full house vibes. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so you would obviously have to have a bigger sample size for our experiment, Sticking with the science thing. I don't think I'm going to be reading any more romance. You would have to have a bigger sample size to decide if romance was something that you liked. I mean, I liked the book, which I will say from the start. I, mm-hmm. I liked the writing. I liked the characters. I enjoyed their back and forth. You read it in two sittings, basically. Well, it was intriguing. <laughs> I did stay up late one night reading it. <laughs> um, because it, I think you talked about this for why you like romance. It's formulaic. It has a clearly defined ending, so it's either going to be happily ever after or happy for now. I think these two are going to be a happy ever after type of situation. Um, And it's got those components that I like the Shakespeare. It reminds me a lot of the Pride and Prejudice where you've got the disgruntled and crabby guy and then they end up falling in love and being good for each other. I think in the Duchess Deal... Uh, I think in the Duchess deal, Emma falls a lot faster for Ash than Elizabeth falls for Darcy. Um, And she's really just trying to fix him, you know? So. I do think it's interesting that you bring in the Jane Austen comparisons right away because a lot of romance readers say that Tessa Dare is modern Jane Austen. I see it. And I see the, I really like the vigilanteism. I knew you would like that part. <laughs> and the fact that he's got a little sidekick that he doesn't want to be his sidekick. Um, I feel very validated 
in choosing this book as your introduction to romance. I think you picked the right one. You liked it. Um, I did not like all the steamy bits. How? I just don't like it. Does it like make you uncomfortable or no? Why? It's just not something that I look for in my writing or in my reading. Hmm. Too cheesy for you? Yeah. I find that the more romance I read, the more I'm able to just sort of suspend my disbelief and a little bit of cheesiness doesn't bother me. Like, Mm. I just am able to enjoy, despite any anything that people would perceive as cheesy, I'm just like, I buy into it. Mm -hmm. It requires some buying into. Yeah. That's not, well, you you expect that that's going to be part of it. Yeah. Um, And I just, it wasn't my favorite. Did you just like skip the steamy parts? No, but I glossed over. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's uh, get into characters. I really liked Ash, obviously, because I just enjoy the way he was written. So he's got uh, physical injuries from a rocket attack where a whole part of his body is scarred. And I think they say from like, so it's just one side. Mm-hmm. And it's like from the top of his head to the top of his hip. And the compensation for that is just the reclusiveness, the sternness, and not really wanting to go out. I, the other favorite characters that I had are his butler. Yes, Khan. Yeah, who he convinced that they're going to play badminton. Which I, I did like the note from Tessa Dare at the back where she's like, Badman wasn't really a thing in the Regency era, but I'm just going to call it that because yeah, that's what modern readers understand. Because, yeah. you know, we all played badminton in gym class. Exactly. So I liked that part of it. Um, I liked Emma. I think there were a good pair. I don't know if I bought right away that she just instantly was like, this is the dude for me. Because... I was more a fan of the independent nature of I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. My dad's a vicar and kick me out. I'm going to go be this dressmaker. And I did like that she didn't all of a sudden want to be comfortable in the duchess role. But a lot of that, I th- again, you're talking about suspending disbelief. I just didn't really buy it. I can understand that, especially if you don't read romance. No, and it's... The tropes and the way that the genre is, but I just didn't really, it wasn't my favorite. I think that a couple of things that Tessa Dare does that help us buy into that a little bit more is we have this extra component of Emma has this friend that she really wants to help. Mm -hmm. And Emma doesn't have a lot of people in her life. She doesn't have a lot of friends. So she really wants to help this friend who is pregnant out of wedlock. And she, if Emma can have a country house that she can invite this friend to, she gets her out of a bad situation, and Emma gets to be comfortable. Also, Emma's been on her own for a while, really struggling to make ends meet. I mean, the fact that the first opening scene is this really desperate act for her to get, what, a couple of shillings or something, Mm -hmm. um, really shows what a bad place that she's in, and the options for women of her time are incredibly limited. So... A marriage of convenience and, you know, going to live with this duke who's going to provide her with a family, which she doesn't have and she longs for, and comfort is a lot better than some of her other options. Her dream for opening a dress shop is a really far-fetched. It's probably more far-fetched than the plot of the novel. <laughs> True. Just with the lack of capital. Right. 
Um, I don't know. And I don't want to seem like I'm just completely dismissing the book because I did like it. Yeah. It's just not something that I'm going to throw into my reading rhythm, I think is the good Mm -hmm. word for it. So I I liked, if we're still talking about characters, I liked Khan. I liked the rest of the staff, how they're all plotting to get them together. Can Uh, you see the Beauty and the Beast tones in that especially? Yes, yes. And I I see a lot of Beauty and the Beast tones for a lot of the stuff where like he's locked up in his tower he's wanted to be away from society people are scared of him yeah but he's really sweet on the inside yeah is he though um maybe not sweet but he's caring he cares about people yes and he he is a good leader so there's a different side to him maybe i would have bought it a little bit more if it was like a darcy situation where we had his sister or something of that where like there's someone else to humanize him a little somebody bit. Somebody that he's taking care of so that we can see that side of him. Hmm. He takes I think that she tries to show this through him like taking care of his staff. Yeah. It's a little bit different than if it's like family. Yeah. Or like maybe a child of somebody that he was at war with. Well, so he has this little buddy who wants to like be a vigilante in the streets with him. Which I liked, but it doesn't have the same thing to me of Somebody else that he's trying to take care of. You would have liked him softened up a little bit more. eh, Yeah. And I don't think I would have bought into it a little bit more. Sure. uh, To why she's like all of a sudden automatically into him. I mean, he's hot. Is that really all it's about? It's part of it. Yeah. I feel like it would have been easier to comprehend like the instantane, the, hmm. The fast love. Yeah. Because it seemed almost too like... It might just be the trope of the genre, but I didn't see a lot from him for her to all of a sudden be like, oh, my God, I'm really in love with him, other than the steamy bits. Yeah. Well, first, she describes it as infatuation. She's like, oh, I have a crush on him. And then a few other things happen that show that they really care for each other, and then they're in love by the end of the book. But she's in love with him a lot faster than he wants to admit that he isn't with her. Yeah, kind of. Um, I really enjoy Ash because you can tell that he's really smart and that, and, and I, of course, like his veteran backstory and I just think that his vigilante (laughs) plotline is so funny and hilarious. You love a good vigilante. I do love vigilantes. hmm. Hold on. I do love vigilantes. So, oh, were you expecting that no, in the book? No, that was a complete shock, which I liked, and it was a good turn of events. Um, I don't know. He ca- he is so vindictive, too, where as soon as Emma brings up anything to do with her dad, you know he's going to go to Herfordshire and pay that dude a visit, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, before we get to that, cause we're going to get into plot. I just want to talk about a couple of other characters that I love a whole lot. Um, one of my absolute favorite parts of the book is, uh, Emma and her friends. So our, we have our hero and heroine, Ash and Emma, and they're delightful. Their dialogue together is delightful, but we can talk about that a little bit more when we get to, um, like plot and themes and what else we liked about the book but 
in terms of characters, I think the side characters in this book are so good and well-written. You mentioned the household staff and really liking them. And um, I really like that they, that Tessa Dare really plays into the beauty and the beast factor a lot. Um, When Emma first goes to the house and Mary is talking to her, she explains Uh, You don't know how we suffer here. Ever since his injury, the Duke has been miserable. He makes our lives unbearable. So you can kind of see the comparison of like the beast and the spell that everyone's under. They want to get out of that spell and um, Emma's their only hope. So I love... I love this scene where all the staff is like standing in the room with the blackboard mm-hmm. and they're writing on chalk and they're trying to come up with a bunch of plans to get them together. They're like, well, what if the carriage breaks down and they're stuck in the rain together? Or what if we lock them in the cellar and we don't let them out? Or they're just coming up with all of these ridiculous ideas. But my favorite, favorite side characters are Emma's friends. So we have, um, let me find the spot that I'm looking for here. We have Penny, Alexandra, and Nicola, and these are all spinsters in the town, basically, and they invite Emma over, Um, and Emma goes to them. I think one of the first scenes is they're all trying to help her come up with nicknames for her cat, (laughs) but really she's trying to come up with fun nicknames for Ash. That's like one of the running jokes throughout the whole book is her coming up with ridiculous nicknames for him. And so her friends help her. And then another scene that I think is super fun is Alexandra. Alex, she is a timekeeper. So she comes to fix and set their clocks and they are fixing and setting the clocks in Ash's room. And all of a sudden he comes in and they're just like, oh no, what do we do? And they hide. And then he undresses and they're like checking him out from behind (laughs) the couch. (laughs) And it's hilarious. And her friends are just so sweet. Their dialogue is so funny. And one of my favorite scenes is when Ash goes over to hang out with Emma and her friends. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and uh, Penny is vegan and she doesn't eat meat. And so she has all of these experiments. And so she makes him eat her disgusting sandwiches. And um, he... <laughs> He says, I'd like a ham sandwich very much. And Penny's like, no, it's a sham sandwich. It's vegetables mashed and pressed into a loaf and sliced like ham. It's nourishing and delicious. And he just like chokes on the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just think the like spam reference and sham is so genius by Tessa Dare. She sneaks in such modern jokes and it just fits so perfectly. So I really love the friends and I love the scenes with the friends. And for people who have not read the rest of the Girl Meets Duke series, each book focuses on a different one of those core friends. So the next book, the governess game, Alex gets to meet her Duke and et cetera, et cetera. So do they all meet Dukes? Yeah, Girl Meets Duke. That's the series. How many are there? Emma, uh, yeah, Alexander, Alex, yeah. Penny. Those yeah. are the books that are out so far. And then the next book is Nicola. Nicola was engaged to a duke, and she well, she's still engaged to him, and he like comes back. How many? So. How many dukes are just rolling around? Uh, in England times, a million. <laughs> I'm enjoying dukes for everybody in England times. <laughs> I'm enjoying just the English times. <laughs> 
Um, so I think we've gotten into plot and talking about a few of our favorite scenes. What were some of your favorite scenes from the book? Um, I, I The introductory chapters where she comes in with a wedding dress that she made for his fiance and wants to get the money for the dress. And then all of a sudden he's just like, wait a minute. I need a wife. You're here. This is too perfect. <laughs> Let's just do the thing. And I, the fact that she just bites back at it and is just like, I'm not going to be your breed mare. Like, you can, we can marry for convenience, but we're going to have dinner together and do all of these things. But at the end of the day, she ends up falling in love with him pretty early on. Uh, so. I don't know where I was going with that, but I think the introduction is still my favorite as far as scenes go. And when he's in jail and then the the ladies end up breaking him out of jail. I like that part. Um, and we already talked about the badminton scene, but... I love the bad... We, well, we talked about it briefly that they play badminton, but... Part of the badminton scene is it's such a verbal volley back and forth. Yes. And it matches the pace of the game of them exchanging barbs with each other. Mm-hmm. And the way the dialogue is written in that scene is so fantastic. And part of it is that she's trying to come up with nicknames for him and he's rejecting every single one of them. So she's like, I'll call you Muffin. And he's like, no, I'm not Muffin. <laughs> I'm a curmudgeonly duke. Need something more manly. And she's like, Buttercup. And it's just hilarious. You can just tell she's just like poking the bear. Right. I liked at the end of that where he's actually like trying to teach her how to play badminton. Oh, like my, the swoonworthy scene, I think, or one of them is I love a good, oh, we're stuck here together scene in a romance novel. <laughs> so when the servants arrange it so the carriage isn't back at the house to take them home Mm -hmm. and they're stuck and they have to like spend the night together and then they get to know each other better and they cuddle i love that well and he's all like oh the carriage is just they're late and she's like oh no (laughs) she knows what's going on they have tricked us (laughs) um you know what i i think i liked that scene now that you're bringing it up a lot where when they're in the cottage and she's like shaking and Mm -hmm. he's just being there to try to protect her i feel for that dude like he's just trying to He's in his element there where he's just trying to be a protector and be there for her, which is why he does like the vigilanteism things, because he just wants to feel that level of connection and taking care of somebody, even though he thinks he's a monster and everybody's going to think he's a monster. I like that he goes to fight for her. I like the part where she she's ready to confess that she had this little love affair with a boy back home, like growing up and she's prepared for him to sort of reject her because she wasn't a virgin when they got married. And instead of, you know, slut shaming her and being a jerk about it, he really feels for her in the way that her father treated her in the wake of that situation. She was basically kicked out of her home and shamed for her behavior and was, you know, not treated lovingly at all and instead of him adding to her shame he comes to her side and wants to just protect her and he is just so immediately angry with her father that he just goes and i don't always like angry dudes doing stuff not thinking about it because in real life that's super annoying but in a romance novel 
where it's not harmful and it's just sweet that he wants to protect her and he's so fiercely on her side right away without her having to explain herself. I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And I like the theme that it brings about of just, you know, the, that shame is such a horrible emotion and such a horrible way to treat people. Especially from family, like your parents. And he scares the crap out of her dad. <laughs> it's a funny scene. Where he, like, well, his her dad is a vicar, so he just pretends to be a demon, and the vicar's just like, oh, no. This and it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's so theatrical, because yeah. we see that Ash has this really theatrical side. He loves Shakespeare, and they end up going to the theater at one point, and the theatrics of him taking on this character, I think, is hilarious and just shows a fun side to him. I love that scene. I think it's so funny. Um, I I know that you skimmed the steamy parts, but I think that this book is deliciously steamy and romantic, and I like those scenes. Do you want to say what your favorite steamy part is? Um, well, they don't go into very much detail about it, but they make out in the library, which is <laughs> real great. Way to bring it back to literary. <laughs> <laughs> But so really good. What I will say for the steamy scenes is, again, this is like the more romance you read and the more you get used to the patterns and the more that you buy into the genre. The The best sex scenes that romance writers write show character development and growth in their relationship together. And it's not just about the sex. They illustrate something about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And they follow the pattern of their relationship. So we see it like in the scenes at the beginning, super awkward. And he's really shy about her seeing him. And then as they get closer together and as they actually start to fall in love, the steamy scenes get more intimate and more romantic. And so it's a reflection of their relationship. It's not just it's not just there to put sex on the page. It's there to illustrate their intimacy and their relationship. And that's what really good romance authors do. Is it a trope in something like this where he's like a broken, better dude where there's an early on confession of love and then he ends up trying to push them away for some additional conflict? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's like a pattern. So typically at least one character or the other in a romance, especially if they're very like uh, bristly Mm -hmm. and they're holding people at arm's length, will have sort of like like you said that sort of confession of feelings still holding the other person at arm's length and that's part of the conflict for sure that's the part that i got a little annoyed with because it was like we got to the point where they're just like yeah we both love each other and then some more stuff came out and then he's like oh i don't really like want to hang out with you anymore and we're like dude a couple pages ago you were just like madly in love with each other just let let that happen let that be the thing I think that shows that you get invested. So for me, I'm so used to that happening in romance novels, but I know that they're going to get together in the end Mm -hmm. that it just like I kind of breeze by that and I like don't even care because I know how it's going to (laughs) end. But that shows that you got invested and that Tessa Dare did a good job of convincing you that like, oh, you should be frustrated with them at that point. You're supposed to be frustrated with them at that point. It's just annoying. Yeah. Feel your feelings, bro. (laughs) She loves you and she has told you you're an idiot. Yeah. 
as somebody who feels my feelings, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating for like to look at this and just be like, bro, she has told you verbatim that she loves you regardless of how you look or how you feel about yourself. You just want to shake him. Yeah, because we see his side of the story where he's just like, oh my God, I love her so much. Yeah. And then she's just like, I love you, dude. And he's like, you can't though. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> yeah. I am unlovable. You don't really feel what I feel. It's not the same. I I like when two characters in a romance novel each think that they're unlovable for some reason. And then part of the plot is not them showing each other that they're lovable, but they have to believe it themselves in order for love to work. And that's that's a lovely theme. So he had to realize himself that he's lovable. It's not that she could just tell him once and, you know, boom, it's done. Because if you have hated yourself for a long time, you have to do the internal work and you have to believe it yourself before you let anybody else love you. Any, you know, greeting card or therapist or Twitter will tell you that. Cat memes. <laughs> cat memes. Your cat posters. Um, you can do it. <laughs> love yourself first. Um, and she thinks that she is unlovable because of her past and she's been so shamed by the people that she loves. So we have these characters that have to realize like, oh, I can let go of my past and I'm lovable in and of myself no matter what I do or how I look. And that's how they really come together. And I like that. It's beautiful. Aww. <laughs> um, any other themes or parts of the story or scenes that you liked that we haven't touched on yet? No, I think I revealed my secret invested in investment in the story. <laughs> um, I did like how his relationship with his dad influenced a lot of who he is. And then talking about uh, like the Shakespeare cursing came from his dad, the always having to put forth the brave face and all of those things and take care of the estate and all of that came from his dad. And I wonder how he would have turned out if his dad was still around. Hmm. It's me getting deep on the romance podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing that I like about good romance novels is people do sort of dismiss them as fluff or dismiss them as trashy books or something but it's certainly not the case especially with one written as well as this there are deeper themes to be explored it's you can go to a deeper level with it and i think the writing is superb should we talk about the writing a little bit you can (laughs) the dialogue is so well written tessadere does such a good job with the dialogue and it's snappy and witty and I would have to teach a class on how she did it if I were to even, like, try and explain what's so good about it. I would have to study it and then try and teach it because teaching is how I learn. But she's just fantastic at it. And I think that's probably a big part of why you liked it so much because it's kind of quick and snappy like Lady Hardcastle. Yeah. A lot of those vibes. um, Again, I'll make the Jane Austen comparison where it's, like, the back and forth. Or even a Shakespeare play from... Uh, much ado about nothing nothing, where they've got the quips going back and forth those are my favorite parts of those genres so it would make sense that that i would like that in a romance book definitely well i have some book recommendations i do not but I wasn't sure if maybe you would come up with some because you have a lot of like broken battered heroes that you enjoy in your books no i think i brought up the comparisons that i liked even from like TV show, like he Ash reminds me a lot of House, um, and 
there is strong Jane Austen vibes and then the Shakespearean much ado about nothing. So yeah, I liked it. I think you made a good pick for, to represent a romance novel that I would like. Um, so I think you done it good. But you're not planning on reading any more romance novels? No. What if I listened to one on audio on a road trip? Sure. If it's like this. If it's Tessa Dare, you would listen to it. I would for sure. Just because it reminds, like, in the same way that I like a Lady Hardcastle, I would listen to one of these probably. I I do recommend her books on audio. I think uh, usually she has a really good narrator that handles the sarcasm and dialogue really well. So I actually, the first couple of times that I read this book, I listened to it on audio. So I do recommend her books on audio. Okay. The other book that I was considering for this buddy read was Do You Want to Start a Scandal by Tessa Dare? That's a crossover between her Castles Ever After series and her Spindle Cove series. And it's it revolves around a mystery. So I thought that you would like the mystery whodunit element of that. And the main, the hero is a spy. Okay. And so I thought that you would like that. Um, if we do another romance buddy read at some point, that's probably one that I would still have you read. Yeah, I'm on board to do something like this again for an, an episode because it's all about the content. <laughs> also, I enjoy scandals. So. And. Yeah, you just you had a fun reading experience. And yeah, I don't I don't expect you to pick up romance all the time, but it is nice to know that you would read it again, not begrudgingly. Stop the presses, folks. <laughs> I would not begrudgingly pick up a romance novel. I'm not I'm not surprised that you enjoyed it. Just like you said, like it was the perfect storm of other things that you like, like Shakespeare and funny dialogue and a vigilante war veteran. But um I also like spies. Yeah. So maybe that other one. But you also like romance. Like you're kind of a mush. Yeah. And that's part of what I love about you. So. Oh. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, so I do recommend if people like the Duchess deal, do you want to start a scandal is one of my other Tessa Dare favorites. Some other romance novels that I really like. Duchess by Design by Maya Rodale is a Gilded Age romance, takes place in New York City, and the main character is also a dressmaker. And the fun thing in that book is that she designs dresses with pockets for everyone, and all of the ladies of high society are like, pockets? We can put things in pockets! This is amazing! (laughs) Because, like, you know, society at that time is like, what do women need pockets for? They what don't... do they need to carry? They don't need pockets. They don't do things. But the um, fun quip of the book and like the joke throughout is that these women are going crazy over pockets on their dresses. And, you know, you know how I am with pockets in a skirt or a dress. <laughs> if someone says, I like your dress, the first thing you respond is, it has pockets. It's just a, it's a girl thing. Um... I also really like the Scandal and Scoundrel series by Sarah McLean. If you like these sort of bristly dukes who need to be worn down a little bit in order to fall in love, that's a great series to pick. Um, Awesome heroines in that series as well. I really like a series by Lindsay Sands. She's a little bit maybe more well-known for her vampire novels, but she wrote this really great historical series the Madison sisters, and the first one is called The Countess. 
the dialogue and the funny situations in those mirror Tessa Dare a lot, and I find that series delightful on audiobook. I also really like Vivian Lorette's. She writes this fun series that is somewhat based on Emma by Jane Austen, so there's that Jane Austen thread again, and How to Forget a Duke is the first one in that series. And another one of my favorites is While the Duke Was Sleeping by Sophie Jordan. That is a historical retelling of um, While You Were Sleeping, which is a 1990s Sandra Bullock movie. So that's a lot of fun. So those are just a few historical romance suggestions. If you need more romance suggestions, you can, of course, just send us a DM on Instagram, and I'm happy to provide more. I realize that I didn't mention very many um, diverse authors on this list. You can go back to episode... I forget what the number is. Um, it was an episode in February. <laughs> what was our romance episode? That was today, right? We no, released that it today. was yesterday. Today's Tuesday. Yeah. Um, it's episode 47. If you need more romance recommendations, you can go to episode 47. I have a more comprehensive list of authors there. A couple of my favorite non-white romance authors are Alyssa Cole and Beverly Jenkins, but they are by no means the only ones, and um, I will try and share some more of my favorite romance authors on Instagram. Um, But those are my book recommendations. Okay. This was a good talk. I would do this again. It was a lot of fun to talk about a romance book with you. Something completely out of the ordinary for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talked about it. Stretching comfort zones is important. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I certainly, since we've started this podcast, I've read a lot more um, nonfiction than I normally would. And it's fun for you to try a different genre. So I hope your wheels are spinning with what you might have me read when it's my turn to stretch my comfort zone for a buddy read. I've got a couple thoughts in mind. Do you care to share? Well, I was thinking maybe a little sci-fi fantasy. Okay. Because that's not an era or a subject that you usually go with. Mm-mm. Because um, I think mystery has a little bit too much commonality. Yeah, I, I love a mystery. We've both been reading mystery forever. So if I'm trying to stretch your comfort zone with something that I really like, I think it's going to end up being a fantasy. It might end up being Theft of Swords. That would be fun. And I think I'm... and Well, it's just like when I picked this, I wanted to pick a romance novel, but one that you would like. If you're going to make me read a presidential biography, I think I might... <laughs> I might have to tap out of that one. <laughs> Here's Grant, 1,000 pages. No. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, we could do a little Instagram poll, see if people have their inputs, but I'm leaning towards a little sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a little bit of time to think about it because we have a couple of other buddy reads lined up. Um, Our upcoming buddy read that we will be discussing in May is Say Nothing, and that is a story of murder and memory. It sounds sounds really good, and uh, when I went to purchase it from IndieBound, they were sold out for a little while, or it was on back order or something, so it seems to be a really popular book. And... If you would like to get other news and announcements from us, 
The easiest way is to connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at HeRedSheRed. We definitely spend more time on Instagram. Um, You can email us, especially if you need some romance recommendations. Email us at HeRedSheRedPodcast at gmail.com. And for show notes of this episode, which include all of the book titles that we mentioned, you can go to HeRedSheRed.org, click on podcast, and you'll find all of our episodes there. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode, and remember, the couple that reads together. Gets adventurous with their reading life, even if it includes some steamy bits. (laughs) Or especially if it includes some steamy bits. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha!